2: You are Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the Internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, our off-season crossover takes aim. At the Chicago Bears, a potentially resurgent Chicago Bears team, that is, if Nick Foles can actually stay on the field. Of course, that is something that we will discuss on our NFC North Roundtable. The guys from the Locked On Podcast Network teams around the division will once again be on the show to discuss all of that. But before we do, before we get to that discussion, some breaking news that has implications for the Green Bay Packers. The Kansas City Chiefs reached a long-term deal with defensive lineman Chris Jones, $37 million at signing, $60 million is is guaranteed for injuries, all in. It's a four-year, $80 million deal with $5 million in incentives, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. So we're talking about $20 million a season. Now, he was on the franchise tag and was looking for a long-term deal, so he, he could have held out. He had plenty of leverage in this situation. Kansas City, if they didn't want to give him a long-term extension, would either have to let him play on the franchise tag and walk or tag him again at a, a, another ridiculously high rate. Now, what's interesting here is DeForest Buckner is a similar comp. He got more money. He got more guaranteed money and he got more annual money, closer to $21 million per season. He was going into the last year of his deal. The 49ers did not want to extend him, but the Colts, when they traded for him, gave up a first round pick. You give up a first round pick, you also give up some of your leverage in contract negotiations. You have to extend him. You have to get that that deal done. So they paid a little bit more upfront to do that. How does this impact the Green Bay Packers? Well, they still have to deal with Kenny Clark. And that is both a literal and figurative deal here. They need to figure out what the number is that makes sense for them and Clark. Kenny Clark, one of the best interior pass rushers in football, one of the best interior players in football, and they need him. He's really good. And they they don't have any other options. They don't have any other solutions. And if you are pessimistic about the Packers' long-term plan with Kenny Clark, you could look at what happened uh, last offseason and say, oh, well, that's where they prioritized their money. They, they used it on Preston and Zadarius Smith. So Kenny Clark becomes expendable. I don't view it that way. I don't think he is. And I think the Packers want to get a deal done. It seems like, based on the reporting, that is the case. Kenny Clark wants to get a deal done. But these are big time numbers. And this is the range that Kenny Clark is going to go into contract negotiations saying, I deserve to be in this conversation. I deserve to be getting 18, 19, 20 million a season. Can Green Bay afford to do that? Then this leads into all of the other discussions about when you get a deal done with Devontae Adams. When you get a deal done with David Bakhtiari, how you handle Aaron Jones, where you put this guaranteed money, that part of it is all involved here. You have to make those decisions together because if you invest in Kenny Clark and if you have a 3-4 defense and you don't have a nose tackle, you don't really have a 3-4 defense. They also just don't make interior players as impactful as Clark is in both facets of the game. He's also extremely young. So he is the kind of guy you give a long term deal to. He is the kind of guy the Packers have traditionally given long term deals to. So you assume in this case, they will give him a long term deal. The question is, how much can he command? Because he can play this year on the last year of a rookie deal. And then Green Bay can do what the Chiefs did with. Chris Jones and franchise him and say either play on the tag or miss out on this guaranteed money. Now, one of the reasons why you want to do that now if you're Kenny Clark is you want to make sure that you are maximizing your long-term stability and you are maximizing your total compensation. So if you play this year on that rookie deal that's a much lower number than if you sign an extension green bay could fast track some of that money you know you put some of that guaranteed money that's going to be up front the, the packers do have a couple million in cap space where they could put some of that money and you're going to get that money now versus later and you don't risk having an injury cuz if kenny clark has a, a catastrophic injury god forbid this season then now you have a question, you have a problem and he plays a position that is brutal on your body. Now, the other part of this is what happens with the salary cap because there is a a proposal out there right now between the NFL and the NFLPA that would keep the cap flat rather than lower it and then they would try to eat whatever losses into future caps and the hope would be that you get a new media deal signed in 2022 and you're able to backfill those potential losses that you're able to say, well, the salary cap is actually going to grow, even though technically we are using some of this new revenue to account for the losses. So the the cap will not go up as much as it otherwise would have. And I do think that, that that will impact how teams look at their 2021 offseason. If the Packers think they can get Aaron Jones relatively cheap, then it makes it easier to, to give Kenny Clark what he wants. If they want to get a deal done with David Bakhtiari, though, if they want to get a deal done with Devontae Adams, and I would think they would given that Jordan Love is going to be taking the reins here sooner rather than later, then what can you justify paying Clark? They have to find that Goldilocks zone for them, and Clark has to do the same. You sign a contract. Now, you're giving up some of your leverage down the line, but you're also getting stability. That is the line each one of these sides has to walk. So if you're Kenny Clark, would you take $18 million a year? Would you take 19, Or do you want that top-of-market contract? Because right now, you don't have the leverage to negotiate that. But uh, by the same token, the Packers want to win now. And they need you in 2020. They need you in 2021. And it's not like Kenny Clark is going to hold out, or at least it doesn't seem like he's going to. It sounds like there have been some talks, but that you know, COVID-19 and everything has, has slowed down some of those negotiations because we don't know what's going on in the future of the league. Uh, I think one of the reasons why you're seeing some of these contracts move is it looks like we're going to have a flat cap or something close to it next season. And maybe we'll get an avalanche of deals. Maybe there'll be a Jones deal or an Adams extension or a Bakhtiari extension or a Clark extension. And you don't want to let Kenny Clark get to the open market unless the cap is going to be way down. And then all of a sudden, you have the franchise tag. You have a bunch of teams that suddenly have less money than they otherwise would have. And the team has more leverage in those kinds of circumstances. Is Kenny Clark worth that money? Well, based on the market, yes. Based on impact, you know, if you want to get technical about, you know, real value and and some of the, the metrics that are out there, total points or or pro football focuses, war metric, it's a lot harder. And I have been skeptical of the impact that that interior defenders can make unless you're Aaron Donald. And I think Kenny Clark is is good enough that you say, look, you, you have to pay him. Because players like that are so hard to find. Think of where this defense would be if they didn't have Clark, considering the, the problems they had up the middle. And if you're Mike Patton and you want to play this way, and you, you want to put a bunch of war daddies on the field, and you want to run NASCAR packages, and you want to play just Kenny Clark and a bunch of outside linebackers, then you need to have someone as good as Kenny Clark that puts you in a position to do that. So the Packers, I think, my guess would be, my, my reckless speculation would be the Packers and Kenny Clark get a deal done. I don't think he's going to get the Chris Jones number. I don't think he's going to get the DeForest Buckner number, but I do think he's going to get close. You know, Zach Cruz over at at Packers Wire, friend of the podcast, uh, he speculated, I think it was five years, 87 and a half. So we're talking about high teens in terms of APY. The extra year, though, uh, that could make some sense. You, you would make it a maybe you'd make it a five-year deal and have 2020 be one of those years. So it's really a four-year extension, and he gets that raise right away. That could make sense, and and you take a little less overall on that. But the total number looks bigger, you know. And you get, to, you get to sell that to your client. You know, Chris Jones makes 80 with the potential for it to be 85. And then you say, okay, well, here's 87 and a half, even though it's with an extra year. So maybe you go five years, 90, something like that. But making that kind of financial decision does have repercussions. And the Packers are going to have to take those into account down the line. And speaking of financial repercussions, anytime you need to go get a car part it has financial repercussions because sometimes it will take you a long time to find something. Sometimes it will mean shelling out way more money than you think is reasonable, way more money than you reasonably should given the value of the part. That's why Rock Auto is here to make your life easier. Chain stores often have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. They have everything you need for your car all online. You don't have to go in. You don't have to talk to any condescending salesperson. You don't have to feel insecure about it. I'm projecting a little bit. Can you tell? And you can get everything you need for your car. Right now, go to RockAuto.com, find the car part you need, make your purchase, and write Locked On. In the "How did you hear about us?" box, so they know we sent you. Welcome
3: back into day three of this Locked On Podcast Network NFC North crossover. I am, of course, Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears, joined by Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers, Lucas Braun from Locked On Vikings, and Matt Deary from Locked On Lions. And it's our turn to go through this Chicago Bears off season a little bit and. If you don't know what's been going on with the Bears this offseason, you have been living under a rock. Even with everything else going on in the world today, there's been no shortage of Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky discussion around Chicago and really around the NFL national talking points. It is an open quarterback competition, one that will be interesting if and when teams can start practicing and what preseason games are going to look like because for now it's still Trubisky as the starter but Foles is fully expected to take over at some point. feels like more of a matter of when rather than if. But it, they're trying to build up a little bit more so around them to support the quarterback position, try and put a little bit less pressure on them. Revamp tight end position, gone is Trey Burton. Likely soon to be gone is former second-round pick Adam Shaheen. And in his new second-round pick Cole Komet and the former Green Bay Packer, Jimmy Graham, They also made some additions defensively with Robert Quinn coming in the pass rush and a couple of different changes in the secondary. But I want to start with Jimmy Graham because on my podcast, we've talked with Peter Bukowski from Lockdown Packers about that a little bit. But I wanted to circle back to that with sort of this new role because before it was going to be the Jimmy Graham show. Now Cole Komet is in there as a potential complement at this tight end spot. Peter, you think Jimmy Graham's decline in terms of age can be slowed down by sort of alternating this role with with having another tight end there in terms of maybe having him play fewer snaps? Or when you look at what he did in Green Bay coming to what he can do in Chicago, is it just purely that he has lost that step and doesn't matter how much he's going to play, he's just not going to be that same guy on fewer snaps?
2: I have a follow-up question. Have the Bears perfected the procedure that scientists did to Wolverine in the comic books? Because if yes, then they can deal with the physical decline. If not, I think they're going to have some trouble. No, in all seriousness, Jimmy Graham only played 57%, tick under 58% of snaps last year for the Packers, um, despite the fact that, that he was healthy most of the year. They managed his snaps. I mean, Mercedes Lewis played 45%. They made sure that big Bob Tanyan was getting reps. They made sure that Jay Sternberger and even something called an Evan Bayless was getting reps as well. And and that is because they didn't think that Jimmy Graham physically could do everything that they needed him to do. Now, part of that is because his blocking is not very good. And part of that is because at his age, with the amount of miles that he has on his legs, you want him out there on third down. You want him out there in the red zone and and giving him the best opportunity for him to succeed based on what he still has left. Uh, to me, the, the Bears signing Jimmy Graham was the, the most head-scratching move of the offseason. The Packers thought he had something left that the Seahawks knew he didn't. And now the Bears are signing him, believing he has something left that two teams have decided he doesn't And I just, I don't know what scenario he could be in that would make him a useful player at this point. And I hate to be that blunt about it because I think he's a really good guy. I think he is one of the best tight ends of his generation. But unfortunately for these players, in a lot of these cases, just physically, when it's over for them, it's over. And I'm sorry, but it's over, Jimmy Graham. And I'm, I'm really interested to see how this plays out, because I, I come from
3: the same perspective you do, Peter, from having watched him in, in Green Bay and Seattle and feeling like, yeah, I don't think the Bears have much to get there. But then Matt Nagy has done nothing but rave about Jimmy Graham. And it, it feels like this was sort of like their who are you going to
2: believe uh, uh, Ryan Pace or your lion eyes. All right. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's like they have this vision of like Jimmy Graham being excellent this season and being this missing piece. And like he was the guy that they really seemed like they wanted to get to fix this Bears offense. And We'll, we'll see. <laughs> that's that's going to kind of be, I mean, it's sort of the same discussion with Nick Foles, where again, it's like a, a little bit of a head scratcher with the other quarterbacks that were available this offseason, but the Bears feel like he knows the system, and he's, he's a winner, and he's been a Super Bowl MVP, and you know ignored the, the three seasons in between his good seasons, where he, he had some real struggles, but they feel like he could be that difference maker, and I, I know one person in this chat knows a lot about uh, Nick Foles' successful years, Lucas Braun from Lockdown. Listen.
2: Oof.
3: <laughs> I, I know, I know it's a it's a sore subject, but I guess why for for Bears fans who are skeptical about Nick Foles, why, why are you so afraid of him?
0: Oh, so it's just a, a confluence of many different black magics, like the the Vikings in Soldier Field black magic, <laughs> the uh, curse of like Nick Foles and what he did to the Vikings in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago. We still think about it all the time. Wake up in cold sweats. Um, and I think what happened in that game, and the strength that you can uh, like rely on Nick Foles for, is that he is an executor of a plan. And the reason he's kind of a career backup is that he doesn't add anything beyond that. He doesn't add like Kirk Cousins is an executor of a plan. He you know like a game manager even if you will, but he does so with a ton of accuracy, and a good arm, and like a lot of skills that like make it. So that you can kind of leverage that to really good offense. For Nick Foles, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So for Nick Foles, it's that he can't, like, he will not freelance or do any or, or make too many dumb decisions. Um, but he will make some bad throws and that'll hurt you. And that's kind of why it's as poorly as Mitch Trubisky has played. That's why it's still a discussion that like, can he even beat Mitch Trubisky? So for the Vikings, it's just, he probably just like has our number. And there are a lot of players still in the building that were in that, that 2017 NFC championship game. If they have to go up against Nick Foles again, it's absolutely going to be in their heads.
3: Yeah. We've seen just how important, the quarterback play is in this division. And I, I noticed when it, when it comes to these Detroit Lions, Matt Deary, that those seem to be the one team last season and in recent seasons that Mitch Trubisky's been able to, for whatever reason, put it all together against those Lions defenses. And I think it speaks to some of what we talked about earlier this week with uh, the discussions about Darius Slay and Devontae Adams and how – Teams seem to know what the Lions are doing defensively. So much man coverage coming from that Patriots system. And that seems to be where Mitch Trubisky can be successful because there's not a lot of deception. And if he can, if it can be simplified for him and he knows what's coming and knows where he can put the ball, that's been like the one area he's been able to be successful. So is there any indication that things might change in that regard for the Lions or that they may have added enough talent to be a little bit less predictable and a little bit more consistent, even if,
1: they are a little bit predictable i don't know i mean i i think the lions like that you know rush three drop eight routine and um and the man coverage stuff is not going to change look they fired paul Pasqualoni, the defensive coordinator and hired Corey unlin who is a, was a secondary coach in philadelphia um but i still think this is patricia's defense now if you watch if you just just watch the tape of trubisky against the lions it's right up there with joe montana tom brady I mean, it's. It, it, I mean, this is like stuff you show your kids, you know, and, and your grandkids. Like, watch, watch number twelve against this uh, team in, in white and silver. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, uh, you would hope that this season that the Lions would find a way to get to the passer, whomever it's going to be, uh, but they just did not do that in those two games against the Bears and and Trubisky ate them alive. But as far as changing the, the philosophy of the defense. Uh, to kind of go to your question, Lauren, I, I don't see it. I, I think the Lions are going to stay with what they know. I think this is the Patricia way, it's the Patriot way. They feel like they've got better players now. Outside of Darius Lay leaving, I don't. I, I still have questions about the secondary. I do think a guy like Tracy Walker on the back end is, is going to be a budding star at safety. Jamie Collins is is, is an upgrade. Um, we'll see about the pass rush. Uh, pass rush. Getting Deshaun Hand healthy will help them. Uh, but as far as changing a philosophy, uh, they've burned those Bears tapes. But I don't think all of a sudden, just because Trubisky lit them up twice, that they're going to be sending six, seven, eight guys at him this year.
2: I like to so imagine I, Mitch Trubisky bouncing his grandkids on his knee, saying, one time I did a great oh. thing against the Detroit Lions.
0: <laughs> it
2: was the
3: Lions and the Buccaneers a couple seasons ago. when oh, yeah, he that box game. And everybody thought he was going to be – the Hall of Famer, you know, after that game, but clearly, uh, some- like
2: thirty percent of his QBR was derived from that one game that year.
3: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's—I mean—that's ultimately where we're we're left with this Bears team, and I, I feel bad because, uh, you know, like the, the huge addition was Robert Quinn to pair him with Khalil Mack, and you know they've got a, a competition at cornerback. They've got a new starting safety next to Eddie Jackson. They've got kind of running it back with a lot of their front seven and offensive line players. There, there's there's some other storylines on this team, but yet it still feels like most of that doesn't matter if they can't get either of these quarterbacks to be productive. And I guess that's kind of where I, I wanted to leave it open-ended here is, and it's funny cause like Lucas has his, his Nick Foles experiences and now Matt has his Mitch Trubisky experiences. So then Peter, do you think it makes much of a difference whether it's Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky? Do you feel like there, there can be an elevated level of play from one of those two quarterbacks or, or where's your confidence level in, in this bears offense?
2: Well, I mean, I think certainly uh, I would be less confident in Mitch Trubisky. But I, the the problem for the Bears is I wouldn't have very much confidence in Nick Foles playing sixteen games. So the problem there is how how can I have confidence in Nick Foles if I'm not sure Nick Foles is going to play? If if the season starts and Nick Foles is the starter and he plays sixteen games, yeah, they're they're a much scarier offense to me with Nick Foles than Mitch Trubisky for all of the reasons that we can name. But not the least of which is because the offense, at least two years ago, was decent to to just right below average. I, mean, I think by DVOA it was still like twenty fifth or something. But Allen Robinson is really good, and I, I still like Anthony Miller, and I still think Matt Nagy is a good coach. Although I think he's going to be um, the the Chiefs' offensive coordinator next year. Um, it, it's just the kind oh, of thing geez. that I, I think that Nick Foles. Is is unreliable in a different kind of way than Mitch Trubisky. I Man, I think ten games of one and six games of another is the most likely outcome here.
3: Yeah, it's it's a very uncertain future in Chicago with not only quarterback position, but then if if quarterback doesn't pan out the way they should, then all of a sudden is it uncertain at head coach like you hinted at there and maybe uncertain at general manager. And I feel like some of those uh, uneasiness feelings are also. You hate being to felt. see it, Lauren. Yeah, you really do. But but some of those uneasy feelings are also being felt in Detroit. And on tomorrow's crossover podcast, we're going to hear all about Matt Deary's Lions and what we can expect from Matt Stafford and Matt and Patricia next season.
2: All right, we finish up our crossover series tomorrow with the Detroit Lions. And as news breaks, we will we will talk about it. It's funny. Shortly after the Chris Jones news broke, the Miles Garrett news broke—a big, massive extension for him. And and look, Zayari Smith underpaid already. He went from a D-plus offseason signing, an alleged overpay, and by about mid-season it became clear that he was going to be worth every penny. And now the guy is a bargain. I mean, a bargain. And I'm not convinced that Miles Garrett is a better player. Certainly wasn't last year. And that's before you know the the ugliness that ensued with with Mason Rudolph. Zedario Smith's season last year is better than any season Miles Garrett has had. That's I don't even know how you dispute that. So you don't have to think that for the next five years, you'd rather have Garrett over Smith, but i I do know that at least for last year, Zedario Smith was the better player, and i don't I don't expect Zadario Smith to be significantly worse in 2020 assuming he stays healthy it's just funny how these things work it's another thing to consider with the kenny clark deal that there's going to be a new guy aaron Donald is going to need an extension fletcher cox is going to get an extension there are going to be up and coming players who come in and get major deals that that blow this one out of the water and that's fine if the if the cap keeps going up if it doesn't which it might not then you start to have some problems. So just something to keep in mind here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.